Good morning, everyone. We're so happy that you're here at New Hope this morning. I hope that everyone is having a great morning so far. I hope you were able to start in Sunday school and worship and grow with others. And if not, I really encourage you to to grab somebody and find where a Sunday school is that you'd like to try because there is so much to gain from being with a small group like that. It's such a blessing to everyone in the church. Um, just a little bit of announcements. The, the resource bottle, pregnancy resource center bottles, there's still a few out there. But if you are grabbing them and if you have them, if you could fill them up and bring them back soon, we'd like to get those back in. Um, and there is so much going on soon from the youth fundraiser lunch and the senior adult banquet, all of our all-in studies. And please keep the bulletin, write it on your calendar, take a picture so you don't miss out on anything good coming up. And the RAGA race night, just to add, that is also going to be a bake sale. So if you'd like to bake something for that, that would be wonderful. You can let me know or just bring it. Either way, it's fine. Um, So let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. And if you're visiting with us, welcome to New Hope. We're really glad that you're here. Father God, how great you are. How great... You speak to us every morning with creation, with the sun coming up and the birds chirping and and all the good that is in everything that you've made. That no matter what our day and our night, our weekend has been, that every day we can wake up and see the beauty that you've given us, the gifts that overflow just from creation alone. Thank you for this family here at New Hope. We thank you for all the friendships and relationships and the trials that we face together and the things that we celebrate together, that you have blessed us with those and we give you thanks, God. I pray over this time that we have that we're coming in to sing and worship with you, Lord, praising your name, listening to your word. What a blessing it is to get to do this every week with other people. Let us not forget the, the martyrs and the, the underground churches and the people that are all over this world trying so hard to do what we're doing right now in secret or in fear of death or imprisonment. And let us not forget that one week that goes by, Lord, that we have this freedom. And let us use it to glorify you to everyone outside of these walls and bring them in with us. We love you so much, Lord. And we give you this time and we pray that it is pleasing to you and honorable, respectable to you because you are our creator. You are our maker. And we love you with all that we are. And it's in your name that we will pray. Amen. Beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. 
could not hold you. The veil tore before you. You silenced the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory. For you are raised to life again. You have no Anytime we're in the house of the Lord, it's a good day. It's a good time, right? Uh, where we can be encouraged, be amongst each other, uh, <clears throat> be in fellowship with other believers. It's always good. And uh, uh, I'm glad you're here, but it doesn't matter if I'm glad or not. God is glad. Amen. Whether you're here in person or online, we welcome you. Glad that you're here, that you've chosen uh, to take a few minutes to worship God in this setting today. As riding around town, I noticed that, and thinking about, there are buildings in every town, every, at every college, every university, and, and even some churches that, that proudly display somebody's name across their front door. Maybe it's because that local person uh, became famous, or maybe they contributed a, a, a sizable donation to, to the organization, or, or instrumental in getting that now, that organization up and going and running. Uh, for instance, uh, uh, Governor Max Gardner and his wife, Faye Webb Gardner, started what? Guess what? Gardner Webb. There you go. Uh, the Royster Building, Dover YMCA, the Earl Scruggs Theater, um, or the Don Gibson Theater, the Earl Scruggs Center, Hamrick Hall. Dover Baptist Church, Allen Baptist Church, all those were named after somebody or a family because they had an interest in that. Practically every athletic stadium or arena, court or field <clears throat> is named after somebody or a family or a, or a large business. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that's the way it is. That's the way in our, it is in our world today. Let me ask you, there may be some ancestry buffs in here, but um, how many of you know the names of your great-grandfather or great-grandmother? Raise your hand. Okay, pretty good, pretty good number. What about the name of your great-great-grandmother or grandfather? Okay, the hands are there, but not quite as many. What about your great-great-great-grandfather and my we do have a couple of ancestry buffs in here, so that's good. That's good. And, um, but what do we know about them? What do we know about their life? 
What do we know about who they were, about their, their family existence, how they, how they went about life? What were the struggles that they had? What were things that they had to overcome? And you see, sometimes on those buildings around town, <clears throat> the names are placed on, the, on those buildings because the person, or more, more often than not, the family wanted to remember that person or that name and, and allow that name to live on. We have statues all over, not as many as we used to, but statues all over the country remembering people's name and, and heritage and, and what they did. They wanted to be remembered for a long time, long after they were gone. It was their way of maybe not dying. You might say it was their way of, of living on forever at least in the minds and the hearts of those who knew them. But on the flip side of that, do you know the person, do you know the name of any financially disadvantaged person from years ago? Anyone in history that, that remained in poverty until death? Gandhi. Corey Ten Boom. There are few, but not nearly as many as the other list, is it? There are a lot of people who, who started out poor and became rich, and we know their stories because in their wealth, they made an impact. They, they, they changed their world in some way, some form or fashion. But what about the poor person who who made a difference in the world. It's hard to find. It's difficult to find a story that fits that mold. I did several Google searches this week, and, and a good example is indeed hard to find. But we don't need to go to Google when we have a great example in the Gospel of Mark. If you will, turn your Bibles there to Mark chapter 12. We find in that story, people are gathered in the temple, and this is a, a familiar story to, to, to many of us. It's one that provides an example, though, of how a nearly destitute woman changed the world from 2,000 years ago, even up until today. Even today, she's changing hearts and minds of people. Think about it, if you will, and there in the temple. A lot of people were, were found giving large sums of money in, into the offering. From the way the story reads, they, you might think everybody was coming to the altar with their cash and checks and online giving receipts, as today's version anyway. But probably all you heard was the rustling of feet as they walked by and the loud clatter of bags of coins being dumped into the offering. And then comes along a, a poor widow. And a hush comes over the crowd. Only whispers and snickering can be heard. She had already drawn attention to herself because people knew she didn't have anything to give. They knew that she was just a destitute woman. But as she comes, the crowd looks with anticipation of what she's going to do. 
And she opens up her, 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 her tattered cloth sack and reaches in and, and searching in the corners and between the seams trying to find her offering. And then they hear the sound of two copper coins hitting the bottom of the offering plate. You hear the coins hit and spin and they come to a rest. All that before the deafening silence returns. The gift, the gift amounted to, to nothing in the eyes of the people. I could probably see the smirks on her face. That's all. She came in here. She came all that way. She left her home just to do that. To give that little, that's not going to make any difference. Oh, but Jesus. To Jesus, it was more than all the rest. It was more than everything else combined. For Jesus, it was everything. Let's read the story together. Mark chapter 12, verse 41 through 44. It says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were, were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich, rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow, a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. And calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. I feel certain there were probably oohs and ahs as the rich people came and dropped their lavish gifts into the treasury. But again, Jesus noticed something that no one else did. He saw the widow's heart. Headlines are often made today when individuals make a large contribution to an organization. And, and for sure, these gifts are, are generous and much needed and deeply appreciated by, by the organization. But where does the church fit in? Where does the church fit into this picture? Our church has been and, and continues to be the recipient of, of generous gifts from individuals and, and families for which we are deeply grateful. For out of that generosity, we are able to fund numerous uh, uh, ministries and help a lot of people as a result. But where would we find ourselves today in our ability to meet the needs of our community and, and the needs of the church and the people in the church if it were not for the ordinary people like, like me and you? No matter the size of the gift, it's the heart of the givers that sustain the church. It's my heart, it's your heart that sustains the ongoing ministry and the missions of the church. We, we give of ourselves, our time, our, our resources, and our finances because God, because God loves us and gave His Son for us. And so every act of 
generosity that we, that we render is seen by God. Everything that we do, every minute, every time we volunteer, every time we offer our, our gifts or our talents or our skills, every time we lend an open hand, every time we, we open our wallet, every time we take action or we don't take action, it's seen by God. And God sees the attitude and the motivation behind our giving or not giving of ourselves. And the blessings that God has blessed us with. You see, what, what impresses Jesus doesn't impress the world and vice versa. <clears throat> For Jesus, the headline wasn't the size of, of Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates or, or the Dover Foundation gift. Think about this. Jeff, Jeff Bezos gave the single largest charitable gift, one-time gift in 2020. He gave a $10 billion gift, charitable gift. Man, there were people that were that were starstruck, that were wowed at the gift, and, and I, that's sizable, isn't it? But Jesus probably wasn't impressed. Number one, it wasn't given to a Christian organization or something that might further the kingdom of God. And second, the gift was insignificant in, 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 the, in comparison to his net worth and the value of his net worth. And so even today, for Jesus, the headlines would be the, the heart of this unknown lady who gave only two copper coins, not the gift of $10 billion by a multi-billionaire. She gave out of her poverty. She gave all that she had to the kingdom of God because of the faith that she had in God. She trusted God with everything she had to meet her needs. She knew that God was going to take care of her. She knew that God was going to, was going to meet all of her needs, everything that, that she needed in life. So she gave everything. The, the others in the temple, it sounds like, they were throwing in their leftovers, their lunch money, their blow money. Yes, they were giving, but it was only out of what they didn't need, the things that they would not miss. No one pressured this, this poor lady to come to the temple. No one pressured her to give a, an offering. Knowing that others would be there, I'm sure she, she tried to clean up at the very best that she could. But she came wanting to give to the Lord, to bless the Lord, and to worship her mighty God, who she knew and trusted would take care of her every need. We read throughout the New Testament and we see, uh, I feel confident that the Apostle Paul had heard of her story. Remember his teachings in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 and 8. He says, remember this. This is the New Living Translation. He says, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will, will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must decide in your heart 
how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need, listen to this, and plenty left over to share with others. Wow. God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with other people. Folks, if you truly want to know where your heart is, simply look at your bank statement. Look at your bank statement because it's there that the truth of your faith is revealed. As you think about your own personal giving, remember the story of this woman this widow, this impoverished lady. For it wasn't, it wasn't the amount. It was the attitude in her heart. It was the motivation in her heart. It was the love in her heart. Is our heart at the place where we're trusting God with everything we have? Are we trusting God with everything we have? Are we trusting God with some of the things that we have? Are we trusting God with nothing that He's blessed us with? It's been said that God can do way more with the 10% that we give Him than the 90% that we keep. Let me ask you this. Have you ever tested God with that theory? Have you ever tried it to see? You see, we're to trust God with that, with that 10% offering over back to Him. But, but then on top of that, we're supposed to be good stewards of the remaining 90%. And everything we do should bring glory to God with that other 90%. And so for us to look into our hearts today and look at our bank accounts and, and our time and, and everything that we do, everything that we have, are we being good stewards? Are we being godly stewards with the things God has blessed us with? Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if working for the Lord. Folks, every good thing comes from God. Everything we have is a gift of God and everything God has entrusted us to, we need to honor Him with it. Everything. And in every aspect of our life. From the book, the Spiritual Disciplines Handbook, Practices That Transform Us, it defines stewardship this way. It says, it's the voluntary and generous offering of God's gifts of resources, time, talents, and treasures for the benefit and love of God and others. Stewardship means recognizing that nothing we have really belongs to us. Everything we own belongs to God. We're simply stewards of this wealth, His gifts, His opportunities, His houses, His cars, and His computers. Sharing is in our DNA. Yet much of the world identifies the Christian West as consumers 
rather than people who are good stewards. Matthew 6, 20 and 21 says, Store up your, for yourselves treasures in heaven for where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Think about how your generosity of time and talent and treasure, whether large or small by the world's standards, can be used to make a difference in our community, in our church, and around the world. You see, folks, we are the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. We're the ones who will carry out His work. And if we don't give of our time and our resources and ourselves, well, the kingdom of God is going to be negatively impacted. And as obedient and called children of God, it should be our desire to be a part of God's work, to join Him at work and wherever He is in our life, to be, have eyes and ears looking for Him at work and join Him there, whatever He might be doing. So let's consider how our actions might inspire other people. Think how our contributions might, might impact the gospel and, and how our life and eternal life might be blessed. Because you see, if we want to grow spiritually, if we want to be the people God created us to be, we need to, to practice the spiritual discipline of, of sharing with others what God has blessed us with. How are we honoring God with our time? You're here this morning. You're online this morning watching God or watching the service. You're here to worship God. How are you using your, your resources? Are we honoring God with our, with our time, with our skills, with our talents, with our resources, with our finances? with everything. Folks, this woman at the altar, she was giving everything. She was going all in, trusting God and was not expecting anything in return. It was a, a no-strings-attached generosity and that was the hallmark of the early church. The same should be said about our, our church today across the world, but unfortunately, I don't think it is. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. The New Living Translation says, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do, to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasures as a good foundation for the future. So they may experience true life. 1 
Verse 18 again says, They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. Folks, when I'm out and about and people ask me where I'm pastoring, what, you know, where's your church, what's, what's, what's your church like? I tell people all the time, it's a special place. There's a special heart there because this church doesn't mind giving and helping and doing anything that people need. They have a heart. You guys have a heart of service. And when a need is brought forth, it is met. And folks, I can tell you that brings a smile to God's face. To know that, that you are so willing to give of yourself to meet the needs of somebody else. You are a blessing to me. You're a blessing to each other. But again, most of all, you're a blessing back to God. As a believer, we need to, to give both for ourselves to grow spiritually and for the kingdom of God so that we can be a partner with God in kingdom business and kingdom effort and kingdom ministries and, and kingdom missions to bring others into the kingdom of God for all of eternity. For this woman at the temple, her offering was, a, was an act of trust and an act of love and, and worship. It was an act, as much of an act of worship as the woman who broke the, the alabaster jar and, and that was filled with perfume and anointed Jesus' feet in worship. Our generosity is an act of love and, and worship that flows from our hearts. It, it, it's our gratitude flowing from our heart to the throne of God. And that blesses God. That pleases God. Are we giving cheerfully the way God wants us to give? In closing this morning, here's an opportunity for you this week. I want you to take time this week and, and look at your bank statement. Look at your investment portfolio. Pull out your calendars. Look at your watch cal or your, your phone calendar, whatever it might be, and, and think about where your gifts and talents and resources are being used. Are we honoring God with the things He's blessed us with? It's what we have being used for kingdom purposes. It's what we have being a blessing back to the Lord. So the bottom line message of this question for this message is, am I being obedient to the Lord? Am I being obedient to the Lord and trusting Him with everything I have? For He is the giver of all good things. Are we trusting Him with the gifts He's blessed us with? Let's pray together. Almighty God, You are such a loving and generous God. One who 
wants to meet our every need, one who, who provides for us in every circumstance. And God, as we read this story of the destitute widow who gives all that she had, God, we know that that we will be blessed when we're obedient to You. And so, Father, give us the courage this week to do the challenge that was put before us. What about our time? Are, are we spending our time watching TV or listening to the radio on our computers or on our phones or is it in Your Word? Is it talking to other people or is it talking to you? Are our resources spent on the fun and games and the toys and hobbies of this life? Or are we putting up our treasures in heaven? God, burden our heart this week just to maybe test that theory. You can do more with 10 than we can with 90. In fact, Malachi tells us to, try, to, to test you in this. And so, Father, we, we surrender our life. We surrender our heart to you. We give you our heart today. We give you everything in our life to glorify you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Breath that I take.